We are continuing our series, Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. And today I've titled the message, I've titled this conversation, How to Respond to Jesus. How to respond to Jesus. Uh, anybody enjoy watching movies or maybe you are a Netflix person, you like to, to watch TV shows. A anybody out there? I, I love, love watching movies. I, I love watching TV shows. Uh, specifically, the movies that kind of take you on a journey. Like they will kind of have some ups, some downs. I mean, maybe you've been there before. You've been to a movie and you're watching and you are on the edge of your seat and you've got it all figured out in your head. You're like, yep, that's the person right there. They're going to save the day. They're going to come in, swoop in, live happily ever after. And then all of a sudden, the character you've picked goes off and dies. And you're like, what's going on? Hey, man, your stomach is in knots. You are full of anxiety. You're like, I don't know what's going on. And then after you leave the movie or maybe you're done watching the episode, you're just like, I need a nap. <laughs> like, like you are wore out. Man, movies have a way of doing those things. And, 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 and maybe you're like, you, you watch movies and you, 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 can, you can agree with or you can identify with certain characters. Maybe sometimes there are things that just seems like everything is going against them. And, and maybe in your life you've experienced some moments where you're just like, this is just like, a, what is going on? This is like a movie right here. Are you serious? And you kind of stay, take a step back. You flip through the album of life and, and you just wonder, how on earth did this happen? I'm reminded of a story a few years ago. I was, I was helping lead a Bible college, and we were going on a missions trip overseas to a European country. I had a group of about 45 of us, and so uh, with that, we had to develop a leadership strategy on how we were going to get all 45 people overseas safely. And so we get to, we land in Amsterdam, and anytime you land overseas, they make you go through a security checkpoint a second time. So we go through the checkpoint, and, and, and our strategy was is that we were going to have one leader in the front of the group, and then we were going to have myself, the leader of the back of the group, to ensure everyone got through. Everybody had their passports. Everybody had their tickets, and we were all going to be safely aboard the plane. So everybody goes through, and, and, then, and it's my turn at this point. So I put my, my bag down on the little conveyor belt, and it goes through the security checkpoint, and the guy looks at me with broken English, and he says, uh, can, can I run your bag again? Man, it's your airport. You can do whatever you want to do. Uh, and so he runs it through the, the bag again, and, and runs it back through the, 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 the conveyor belt again, and he looks at me and says, um, do you mind if I search your bag? Now, I'm going on a missions trip. All I've got is the missions trip essentials. I've got my, my Pop-Tarts. I've got my, my Cheez-Its. I've got my, my Ritz crackers. Like, like, I'm going on a missions trip, people. you got to have the essentials. And, and so he's going through the bag, and, and, and then I'll never forget the moment he pulls out of one of the secret compartments down at the bottom, the zipper of the bag, and he pulls out an empty pistol clip. Exactly. My response, like my, I, my response maybe mimicked many of yours and what, what it would be. That's not mine. I sit there. All of the color left my face. I am white as a ghost. And all I could say was, oh, God, what's going on? And, and as the blood kind of went back to my brain, I was quickly reminded my dad and I just a week before had gone to a shooting range. I had taken that bag and I forgot to pull out the clips I'm sitting there. I, my life is flashing before my eyes. 
I, I'm not married yet. I don't have any kids. I, I'm just like, oh, God, God, please, please, I got to get married. I, I got to have kids. I, I, I just don't want to sit here in this country in a prison cell for the rest of my life. And, man, like a movie, I can remember it like it was yesterday at the corner of my eye. The hero came to save the day. The, the pilot comes walking. Everything was in slow motion. The pilot comes walking out of the terminal. And he comes and he looks at the security guard. And, and in slow motion, he looks and, and he says, let him on the plane. All of a sudden, some confidence rose up within me. I looked at the security guard and said, yeah, let me on the plane. <laughs> the security guard said, hey, we're going to have to confiscate this. I said, I didn't want it anyway. You want, you want a Pop-Tart too? I, I bless you. Man, life has a way of, 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 of recording things. Life has a way of, ha- of things happening. And you're just like, this could only happen in a movie. If, you, if you've never read the story of Mary or, or, and, and you were watching the life of Mary portrayed on a screen, the movie would start out a little like this. A teenage girl gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Plot twist from the beginning. Like, wait, you couldn't wait to the middle of the movie here? Like, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and then her family goes to leave her, and, and Joseph goes to leave her, and, and God visits Joseph and says, hey, no, this is the plan. And so Joseph plans, he stays with Mary, and then people are looking at Mary and, and criticizing her. She's pregnant out of wedlock, and, and, and all these things are, are being looked at on her, and, and Joseph and Mary, they, they get an assignment. They've got to go to another city. They've got to take a trip. Around the ninth month of Mary being pregnant and she's riding on a donkey and Joseph and her are taking a trip. And then all of a sudden she utters the word, uh, my water just broke. And so Joseph frantically starts knocking on doors. Hey, do you have room? Do you have room? Do you have room? This is a high drama movie, people. Like, he, nah, you have room? Do you have room? All that was available was a stable with some animals in the dark. The son of man, the prince of peace, the king of kings. Being born in a stable. And then three guys just roll up on the scene. They call themselves wise guys, and they got some gifts, and they say, hey, we got some gifts for you. Oh, and by the way, the king's coming to kill the baby, so you might want to bounce. Like, like this is a high drama movie full of twists and turns, Mary's stomach in knots, People, you may be going through situations, maybe you look back on your life and, or maybe you're going through a situation right now and you look back on the, the movie of your life, you have not, you're dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with stress, maybe there's some marital issues you're dealing with or, or maybe you're getting bullied at school, maybe you're dealing with job struggles, whatever the case may be, there are moments and situations in our life that leave us wondering How am I going to respond to this? How do I respond to this? For the next couple moments, I want us to unpack and and begin to answer the question, how do we find peace on the inside in the midst of turmoil? How do we find peace in the midst of confusion? How do we find peace in the midst of disappointment? As we unpack this, we want to look at the lives of two characters that we find in this scripture. We're going to look at the way that King Herod responded to Jesus being born. We're going to look at the way that Mary responded to Jesus being born. 
And as we look at this, I want you to keep this principle in mind as we talk today. Our response to Jesus will determine our level of peace. Our response to Jesus will determine our level of peace. See, you can posture your life to live with no peace, or you can posture your life to live knowing peace. Your response to Jesus will determine that. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 says this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. We see here that, that the birth of Jesus disturbed King Herod. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of insight on, on Herod, but if you look in the history, it is clear that Jesus being born disturbed the king. It robbed him of his peace. And, and today I want to talk to you about four responses that Herod had to Jesus being born. Four wrong responses to Jesus being born. Number one, Herod's response to Jesus was he lived away from God's presence. Herod responded by living away from God's presence. Scholars will, will state that Herod worshipped false gods and false goddesses because, because he did not believe in nor was he an advocate of the one true God. Fact is, is that it wasn't because he believed in the false gods, but, what, but he used, he leveraged the, the, the relationship, he leveraged the information to gain political favor. So he wasn't even about the false, he was just about himself. He lived away from God's presence. Herod wanted nothing to do with God. Jesus being born, Jesus is being born, and Herod's response was to live away from God. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, he said, get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Understand this today, that killing Jesus is the ultimate way to live away from God's presence. Herod wanted nothing to do with Jesus. He postured himself as an enemy to God. Some of our responses today is posturing us as an enemy of God because, because we're more in love with the world and the things of this world than we are the things of God. By loving this world more than we love God, the Bible says that it puts us as an enemy of God. James chapter 4 verse 4 says this, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Some of us today, we don't have peace because you're a friend of this world. You love the world more than you love Jesus. You find yourself distant from God. You find yourself living far away from God. When we live away from God's presence, we don't live in God's peace. See, when, when there is no God in our life, there is no peace that follows it. Herod's response was to live away from God's presence. 
The second thing, the second response that Herod had was that he lived a life of sin. He responded to Jesus by living a life of sin. We read a few moments ago that Herod's response was to kill Jesus. Know this, that that killing Jesus is the ultimate robber of peace. Herod's response was to kill him. It, it 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 was about living in sin. And this is what I know about sin, is that nothing will rip peace away from your life more than sin. Sin will rob you from peace. Living in sin is like walking into a spider web. You ever walk into a spider web? There's nothing peaceful about a spider web, especially when you didn't see it coming. You are swiping your hand. You're trying to figure out where this come from. It's nasty. There's no peace. And the more you try to get out, it seems like the more you're running into it. Sin is something that entangles you, and the only byproduct of sin is no peace. One of the byproducts of sin is no peace, separation from God, no peace. I remember as a teenager, I was in high school, and I was dealing with bitterness in my life. I was dealing with resentment. I had no peace. In my life, I was making decisions based on myself, trying to, trying to, trying to go after relationships and trying to seek popularity and, and trying to find my own way. I was faking Christianity at work and, and just trying to navigate my way through life. And I found myself making a series of bad decisions and it landed me in the principal's office of my school being suspended from school. Out of humiliation, I asked the principal, can I call my dad and let him know this information? remember calling my dad and letting him know the situation. It was a long pause after I let him know I was suspended. I remember hearing these words, son, I'm disappointed in you. i never forget my mom picking me up from school that day and sitting there in the front seat as we were driving home. And she's, she's asking me questions, son, what are you doing? Why do you keep making these decisions? We raised you better than that. Where is this coming from? With tears in my eyes, my mom said, Bo, don't you know how hard your dad works to send you to this school? Don't you know how much we love you as your parents? What are you doing? She told me, she said, Bo, behind closed doors, your dad is constantly asking, when can we give Bo a vehicle? When can we bless him with a vehicle? But everywhere we turn, you're making decision after decision. Son, where is your head? Listen, when you live a life of sin, it robs you of your blessings. Not just a vehicle, but the blessing of peace. God has a plan for you. And when you choose, when we choose the method Herod chose to respond by living a life of sin, the byproduct is no peace. Sin will always cost us more than we want to pay. There's no peace. Sin will always take us further than we want to go. There's no peace. Sin will always keep us longer than we want to stay. There is no peace. A life of sin robs us of peace. Herod's response to live a life of sin robbed him of peace. Number three, Herod responded to Jesus by living by his principles. Herod's own principles is what he lived by. One of those principles was deception. We see that played out in Matthew chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. It says this, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Do you see the deception there? 
A few verses earlier, he, he was disturbed and he wanted to kill Jesus. And now he's trying to get close to him so that he can so say worship him. He was living by his own, his own principles, his principle of deception. And it was robbing him of peace, trying to put everything in his control. Last, the last wrong response that Herod had was that he, he responded to Jesus by living a self-reliant life. Relying on himself. He wanted to be number one. He wanted to be in complete control. Matthew chapter 2 verse 16 says this. It says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Herod craved control. He craved, he, did, he tried to do everything he could within his power to kill Jesus. He relied on himself. Herod was a king. Herod was a man of great wealth. Herod had lots of power, but he abused it and gave an executive order to kill every baby boy to and under. It's very clear here in the scripture that Herod had zero peace. He wanted to be completely relying on himself. Church today, here's the deal. When, when we become self-reliant, it robs us of inner peace. It robs us. We're, we're trying to carry every weight. We're trying to take care of every responsibility. We're trying to carry every burden this life throws at us. We're, we're trying to carry all the things that truthfully God never intended for us to carry. God never intended, we're, we're carrying every weight and, and we're, we are the only solution to all of our problems. We are the only way and it's draining the life out of us. It's why people get burnt out. It's why people abandon family. It's why people leave their spouse. It's why people have nervous breakdowns because we're completely relying on ourselves. We think that we've got to carry all the burdens. We think we've got to carry all the solutions. We think we've got to carry all the weight. And the truth is, is that God never intended for us to do that. Here's the thing about living a self-reliant life. You ready for this? When you live a self-reliant life, all you get is you. All you get is you. All you get is your situations. All you get is your solutions. And I don't know about you, but I'm just not that good. <laughs> like, I need God, I need his presence. I need his, his way. I need his wisdom. I need the peace of God. This is too much for me to carry. Listen, I've tried to manage my marriage myself. I've tried to fix people myself. I've tried to manage my own. I've tried to be accountable to myself. I've tried to be the only one bringing solutions. And at the end of every one of those seasons, it left me saying the same thing. God, I am sorry. I am not good enough. I need God. I need his presence. I need Jesus. Herod wanted to live a self-reliant life. His response was that. And it robbed him of peace. I love how this story illustrates the life of two people and their responses to Jesus. Herod's response was, was everything we just discussed. But Mary had a response to Jesus as well. Mary's response was very different than Herod's. 
Now, when you read the scripture, you read that the Bible says that Mary was greatly troubled when the angel visited her. Uh, now, give Mary a little bit of grace here. She was sitting at home on a Saturday morning drinking coffee, and then the angel just come. Like, an angel come and tell you that message, it would mess up your Saturday morning coffee as well. But then after having dialogue, the Bible says that Mary's response was this. She wrote a song and sang about God's goodness and his faithfulness. Before the message ever even played out, when God presented her with the message, she, were, she wrote a song and had faithfulness and God's goodness on her mind. We see it found in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and 49, through 49. It says this, Mary said, my heart praises the Lord. My soul is glad because of God my Savior, for he has remembered me, his lowly servant. From now on, all the people will call me happy because of the great things the mighty God has done for me. His name is holy. Herod is plotting to kill Jesus. Mary is singing a song glorifying God. Two completely different responses one was tormented on the inside, and the other had peace and joy. The movie of your life, oftentimes we are left with two decisions. Am I going to respond the way I want to respond, or am I going to respond the way that God would have me to respond? We have to live according to the plan and the purpose that God has for us. Even though we experience uncontrollable situations. God has a plan for us, and it includes the peace of God. How we respond to Jesus will determine the level of peace we have, how we respond to him. And so I want, real, real briefly, I want to talk to you about the four right responses, the four responses that Mary had to Jesus. Number one, Mary responded to Jesus by, by living in God's presence. In Luke chapter 1, 26 through 28, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Bible says that the Lord was with Mary. Mary lived in God's presence. When, when Mary found out she was going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she continued to live in God's presence. Her response to Jesus was, I'm going to love him and I'm going to live in his presence no matter what. When we keep our hearts, when we keep our lives, when we keep our minds, when we keep our situations and our circumstances focused on God, no matter what's coming up, guess what? We live in God's presence. We will experience the peace of God. Isaiah 26.3 says this. He says, you keep him in perfect peace. Those whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Come on, those whose mind is stayed on you. That's not good English, but that's good preaching. When you keep your mind stayed on the things of God, you will walk in the peace of God for your life, your situation, your circumstance, no matter what comes at you, no matter what comes at you in the movie of life, when you keep your mind stayed on him, you will walk in the peace of God. Mary's response was to live in the presence of God. No matter what you're going through, 
Stay in God's presence. Don't let anything push you away from his presence. Keep reading your Bible every day. Stay in God's presence. Keep worshiping God every day. Stay in his presence. Keep coming to church every Sunday. Why? Because you want to you stay in the presence of God. His presence brings freedom, no matter the situation. A few weeks ago, I went to a doctor visit and we were checking my blood pressure and pulse and just doing the normal things. And doctor pulls out his stethoscope and he's checking my heartbeat and my, my, my breathing and Looked at him, he takes the stethoscope off, and, and he looks at me, and he says, uh, Bo, has, has anyone ever told you you have an irregularity in your heartbeat? Uh, no. <laughs> Matter of fact, Doc, nobody's ever told me that. I'm going to lay out a series of situations and what the possibilities could be. Sent me to a specialist, and specialist ran some tests, and then put another appointment on the schedule, and ran some more tests, and Another appointment on the schedule, ran some more tests, and this went on for like three months. Three months, and worry began to settle in, and fear and anxiety. I'm just wondering, God, what, what is this about? What, what, what's going on here? I never forget. I was home alone. I was dealing with the stress. I was dealing with the anxiety and thinking about the what ifs. I sat on my couch and I put some worship music on. And I went into God's presence. In this presence, I was reminded that God is a God of peace. No matter the, search, the situations, no matter the circumstance, I wasn't going to let a possible bad report deter me from God. I wasn't going to let the possibilities keep me from reading my Bible. I wasn't going to let the possibilities keep me from worshiping Jesus. I wasn't going to let the possibilities keep me away from being a part of a church, a body of believers. I wasn't going to let the possibility of a bad report keep me away from my small group. I was going to stay in his presence. No matter the outcome, I was going to live with peace from God. Here's the deal. I made that decision. I lived in God's presence. And then I went back to my, my doctor, and the doctor gave me a report. He said, Bo, everything's good. I said, I know it's good because I already got peace in my heart. When you have peace in your heart, it doesn't matter what the words that come out after. You know that God has a plan for your life, and God is going to work on your behalf. God has peace for you. In his presence, there is peace. The second thing Mary chose, her response to Jesus was, was by living a life of purity. In Luke chapter 1, verse 29 and 30, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Psalms 5 goes on to illustrate the type of favor that God was relaying to Mary. It says in Psalms 5, 12, it says, surely... Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Listen today. God blesses the righteous. Mary was righteous and was headed in the right direction. She was living a life of purity. 
Know this today, that when when you live a life of peace, when you live a life in God's presence, it's not about perfection. It's about having the right direction. And when you have the right direction in your life, when you understand that it's God's word that's going to get you through, when you understand that it's God's promises that are going to get you through, you're facing the right direction. You say, God, I will trust you no matter what. God, I will trust you no matter what words. I will trust you no matter what the situation. I will trust you no matter what the bank account says. I will trust you no matter what. Who who has lost hope over me and my family? God, I am pointed in the right direction. It's not perfection, but it's direction. And when we are faced in the right direction, when we understand that we are moving towards God and not away from him, we will get the peace of God. There may be some of us here today, we're not faced the right direction. We're not walking in the right direction. We may be living a life filled with addictions, a life of sexual sin, a life of gossip, a life of deceit, a life of fear. The story of Jesus being born is one that brings hope to us all. Jesus came that we may have life. And life to the fullest. You can turn your direction and live with the peace of God because he has a plan for you. It's not perfection, but direction. Mary's response to live a life of purity gave her peace. Number three, Mary responded to Jesus by by living by God's principles. This is what the angel tells Mary in Luke 1.37. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. In verse 38, Mary responded by saying, I am the Lord's servant. If no word from God will ever fail, then God, my response to you is, I am your servant. Jesus, I'm here to serve you. God, your ways, your thoughts are greater and stronger than mine was Mary's response. I'm following you, Mary responded. I'm following your word, Mary responded. By living according to God's principles and not my own. The Bible says it like this in in Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing can make them stumble. Come on, everybody say great peace. God has great peace. When when you know the word of God, when you know the word of God and what it says about you and your life, you will know the peace of God. And when you don't know the word, when you don't have any word of God in your life, when there is no word of God in your life, then there is no godly peace in your life. Whose words? Do we trust in the most? Do we we respond more to a post that we read on social media? Or do we respond more to the presence and the promise of God in his word? People will post things all day long. There's some crazy stuff people post. But the promises of God are yes, today, forever, and amen. His word is binding. His word is forever. His word is true. It wasn't just true for Mary. It's true for you today. No matter what your situation is, God has a promise and peace for your life. Whose words are we listening to? Are we, li- are we living according to the principles of God? And lastly, Mary responded to Jesus by living a God-reliant life. She relied on 
God. Luke 1.38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Everything. I want it all, God. I want it all. Don't hold anything back from me. I want it all. I want all of your peace. I want all of you. I want everything. Mary said, I want it all. I'm giving you everything I am. I'm not relying on self. I'm not relying on my situation. I'm not relying on the things I do well. I'm relying on God. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary wasn't relying on herself. She was relying on God. She is saying, God, I surrender to you. Your will be done, not my will. There's an old saying. It goes like this. It says, let go and let God. Let go and let God. If you want to respond to Jesus the the way that Mary responds to Jesus, you can't live a self-reliant life. you got to live a life that says, I'm going to let go, and I'm going to let God. I'm going to let go of my fear, and I'm going to let God's peace remain and resound over my life. I'm going to let go and let God. Matthew says it. Jesus says it through Matthew's gospel in in, uh, chapter 16, verse 25. It says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What's God saying there? Let go and let me take over. Let go and let God take over. Listen, we're not naive to know that we deal with things. There are circumstances, there are situations, there there are troubles, there's a lot of noise happening. And, And how we respond to that. You may be sitting here today and say, Bo, I've had a terrible 2017. It's been issue after issue. It's been situation after situation. And God is calling you today. If you want the peace of God, you've got to let go and let God. Here's, the, here, here's what we tell our problems. I, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to let go and let God. I've got big decisions to be made. I'm going to let go and let God, and He will give me peace. I've got big problems that need to be addressed. I'm going to let go and let God. This world around me may be falling apart, but I'm going to let go and let God. I may be worried. I'm going to go to God. You may be anxious about things. You're going to go to God. You need a friend today? Go to God. You need a comforter? Go to God. You need a father? Let go and let God. God, you need direction, go to God. You need rest in your life. I'm not talking about eight hours of sleep. I'm talking about peace of mind. You let go and let God. God has a plan and a purpose, and it includes the peace of God for your life. For your life. Let go and let God. 